All right, welcome into episode number 162 of the Agency Journey Podcast. This is Gray, and this week I have the pleasure of bringing back for a part two, Pete Brand from Mindscape. Pete, how you doing, man? I'm doing really good. Thanks for having me back, man. Um, I'm glad to have you on. I'll challenge the very well or very good that you're doing here in a little bit as we get to it. But um, so, And that's one of the big things that I like. The big reason that I wanted to bring you on was to kind of talk about the life of, a, of an agency owner and how we balance kind of that stress with what we've got going on in our personal lives and um, like mental health side of things slash just, just kind of personal development side of things. But before we get to that, um, we talked a little about Mindscape and some of the things that you guys are up to um, when we connected here at the beginning of the year. But um, where any, any big updates on the agency itself? Anything new and exciting with Mindscape? Um, yeah, we, I think when I talked with you, we were, uh, um, really simplifying our sales process and being a lot more structured about the way we were approaching it. Uh, we had literally 20 consecutive weeks of new business that we brought in that led up to about the middle of June, wow. which was uh, yeah, a little insane, but it, it really made me a big believer in having a sales process that you actually follow and use a CRM to track it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was really, really solid. Then of course we hit the summer doldrums and, yep. and nobody's thinking about business again. And now we're back in fall going, all right, guys, it's, it's going to get cold soon. Let's start thinking about business. So as right. always, the agency world is up and down, but no, it's been going good. We won a, an impact award, uh, in the second quarter from HubSpot for, right. uh, sales enablement, which was pretty awesome. We, uh, we helped a client crush it about, I think it was, I might get these numbers reversed, but 23% uh, revenue increase and a 17% close rate uh, improvement after wow. helping them Im uh, implement the CRM, which they had tried seven or eight other CRMs or a bunch of them, and none of them ever worked, and this one was right on, so it was great. That's a big, I mean, 17% is huge from a close rate perspective. Yeah. Um, to make that jump, what was it like standardizing the sales process, or was it, like, what was the big thing that, that switched the trigger there. It was standardizing the sales process, but giving a tool, you know, having a tool that they actively used as an organization to track all of the interactions. So they weren't okay. relying on memory anymore and they were just, you know, just had a process just like we learned from our process. Right. Right. Okay. Huh. That's, that's crazy. You mentioned, it was funny. You mentioned the, uh, like the summer slow time, which definitely hits here in the States. And I didn't realize until we got into like the software space with, Zen Pilot, formerly Do Inbound, and started working with a lot of European customers. That like summer holidays are a real thing. Like you know, to us, things definitely slow down in the agency space here in the states. Things would slow down a little bit, and you know, you'd have Fourth of July as a bad time, and then you'd have go people going on family vacations kind of throughout July and first part of August for the most part. Some people end of June, and um, but trying to get anything push through with a whole bunch of um especially with a software a whole bunch of european customers like the holidays there aren't like a long weekend here or there maybe a week off it's like we're taking three weeks off and going somewhere else it's like literally nothing gets done during the summer um i probably just insulted a whole bunch of people who were who were over there but that was a, a cultural experience that was kind of funny to learn from and, yeah i don't uh, i don't i don't know that so much that you're insulting them is complimenting them on their understanding of how life really should be. I think it's, I think it's amazing um, to be able to take, you know, you think about trying to take three weeks in a row off and I've done that. I think the only times that I've done that is um, 
after after the kids we get three little kids right now and have taken actually after uh, the most recent one I get most of three weeks off but was on a little bit after week one which is probably not not the healthiest way to uh to go about things but um but yeah, yeah I can I can honestly say in in the 30 years that I've been working after being out of high school I've never taken three weeks off and, right. and that's sad yeah well so here was the thing that kind of I think initially prompted me wanting to talk about this with you was when I learned about um, the hiking thing and you getting into going hiking every day. So first of all, is that still hap- Is that still something that you do? You're, are you hiking every day? I'm not hiking every day. Okay, uh, but but I'm hiking a lot. You know, you typically, I just got done leading a, 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 as a hiking leader for Make a Wish Foundation, where I, I trained a group of hikers over the course of about two and a half months to be able to hike a 21 mile hike in one day. And we just, just did that two weekends ago and uh, it was a phenomenal experience, but yeah, so I'm still getting out in the woods as much as I can. Okay. So, um, I'm trying to figure out the best place to start here and that might be the best place to start is what got you into hiking in the first place. Um, and then ultimately kind of just want to talk about some of like, what are the healthy practices or what are the things that, um, that we've learned from mistakes and from trying to make those a little bit better as far as how do we balance uh, running an agency and the day-to-day stress of that with also being a well-rounded person and not succumbing to the stress and buying into the, not that anyone I think consciously buys into it, but we kind of subconsciously, it's very easy to fall into the trap of however the agency is doing that defines who I am as a person and takes over part of that. That's definitely becomes a big part of, um, of our identity, especially if we don't guard against having some separation there. So maybe maybe we start with what what initially got you into hiking. Sure. Um, well, I always used to camp and and do stuff like that when I was younger. And then all of a sudden, you have kids and you get into life and you stop doing it. I got a little bit introspective, and I thought, you know, why as we get older and have more resources and more control over our schedules, do we stop doing the things that brought us lots of joy when we were younger? And it didn't make any sense to me. And it was probably right around that same time that I kind of came to that realization that we were going through a buyout and buying out business partners. We had minority business partners who had been with us for about eight years. And we made the decision that we were gonna attempt to buy them out. And it took us uh, about a year to be able to work that out. And it was, you know, it was challenging. I, mean, I can't really say a lot, obviously, but, mm-hmm. uh, but it was, it was really stressful and challenging. And the last three months um, of the buyout negotiations, my business partner ended up having a really serious injury and almost passed away. And so I was dealing with it a lot on my own. And then we got out of the buyout we were back on our own and I was excited or at least felt like I should be excited. And then all of a sudden my body just, you know, took a dump and it was, uh, all of the stress and all of the anxiety and everything that went through that entire year caught up to me and just crushed me. And uh, finally got to the point, I went and talked to a therapist and the therapist was explaining to me, like, you seem to be a little intense. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you know, have you always been this way? And I'm like, yeah. And he says, do you think it's healthy? And I was like, well, better be. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> but he really helped me understand the need to decompress and have little times of decompression throughout the day so that you can help, you know, mitigate some of the, the, the anxiety and the stress that you experience when you're running really hot all the time. 
And then that led me into getting out in the woods and just kind of bathing in nature and beauty and, and, uh, and being by myself and just being at peace and realizing that, you know, that really is living and not the stress and anxiety that I get all wrapped up in. Mm-hmm. So it was a huge, huge difference for me. Did you, was that like the first thing that you went to was getting outside? I mean, cause a lot of people have different hobbies or different ways that they try to. And I think especially at least from, from my personal experience and people I've talked to, like we live so much on the computer that the farther I get away from the computer, the easier it is. But is that the first thing that you went to or did you kind of, did you think about it strategically at all as far as here's what I can go do to decompress or was that just instantly the answer? No, I, I actually started out with meditation. Um, I, you know, I started studying about transcendental meditation, which I, I've heard a lot of really good things about. And I didn't want to pay the money to go through the course. And plus, I'm kind of cynical. So I just yep. figured out, you know, how to do it without going through a class. And I, and I would do that in my office sometimes when people would walk in. It would be awkward. And But, but what I really realized is as I was walking and hiking and moving, um, it's very similar to a meditation, especially when you're out in the woods and, you know, you're just, you just kind of get lost in that trail and looking at stuff. And, uh, and, and I found that I was a lot better at that because my brain at times is so scattered and all over the place. It's hard to get it to quiet down. I still do meditate from time to time, especially when I'm having those really stressful times. But, uh, I feel like a nice eight, nine, 10 mile hike, uh, can really get you in that meditative state. And afterwards I feel at absolute peace when I'm done. So I love it. Right. Well, so what I wanted to do, I don't think that there's, uh, that's not true. I I was going to say, I don't think there's that many people that would debate or say like, we shouldn't get a break away and we shouldn't, decompression isn't important. And that might not be true. Actually, there probably are. Um, in fact, I can think of some people who, and whatever the excuse is, it's I'm young. Like this is the time in life when I can work this way or like, I'm just wired differently. I can do it. But, um, I think there's enough empirical data and evidence to say that it actually is good, good and healthy, um, to take a break. But what I kind of want to do is throw some of the objections at you and just figure out like, how do we not as proof across the board that this is the best way to combat it, but from your personal experience, like how do you, how do you do this stuff? So obviously the biggest one is like, I just don't have time for it. Where did you, how did you fit in? And you said an eight or nine mile hike. I'm sure that might not be where it started. Um, but how do you fit that into your schedule and how did you start doing that? Was it hard to start the habit because of that? It, well, yeah, I kind of had some of that head trash where I wanted to be a martyr and say, I don't have time for that. I'm too busy building the agency, making sure my employees are doing well, community, you know, getting out in the community, making an impact there, doing all this stuff. And, and so I really felt like, and I know it, it seems like when you're making the excuse of I don't have enough time that you're, you know, it's because you're doing all this good for other people. But the bottom line is if you aren't taking care of yourself, you don't have the capacity or ability to give or serve other people very well. And uh, I really learned that when I was having my anxiety problems for about a year after that, you know, after uh, getting away from the partners is, um, you know, it was that was it was really, really difficult to get out of that dark place. So um, but yeah, so I think what we have to realize is if we don't find the time to invest in ourselves and take care of ourselves and make sure that we're in a good place to be able to effectively serve other people, we're not going to be able to do it. 
So I, I really kind of do think that the excuse of I don't have enough time is, is bullshit because we can find the time. I was waking up at five o'clock in the morning and hiking three or four miles. And then I would hike at 10 o'clock at night, maybe do another three or four miles. Um, my wife was really understanding in the very beginning. She didn't get it, uh, but she started to when she started to see that I was a better product in the end. And uh, it all worked out really well. Hmm. Did you have, were you, was it always solo hiking? Did you start with somebody? Uh, no, I really enjoy solo hiking. Um, I get more and more people now that ask to go with me, which is really nice to be able to go out and chat with them. But uh, being out there by myself is better than anything. And I was scared in the beginning. I mean, you know, I got a big bushy beard uh, and all this other stuff. And so it's not like I'm going to worry about human beings or whatever. But you have the fear of the unknown when you're out in the woods. And once I realized there's really not anything to be scared of, it just went a lot easier. So, hmm. Man, what a journey. Um, you were talking, you were telling me before we hit record here just about putting together like this worksheet right now. So obviously things have evolved. Well, actually, let me ask that question too. When was this, how many years ago, um, did you start, did you go through this experience and start hiking? I've been hiking for the last three or four years on and off, but when I really made my commitment, it was, uh, January 1st, 2017. And, and that was when, I made the commitment to hike every single day, set a goal of hiking 2,200 miles. Uh, and I actually, when I got through it, I had the flu two different periods, you know, with so the stomach flu and, and I didn't skip hiking. I waited until I threw up because I knew I would have about an hour where you feel better. And yep. So I waited, I took advantage of that hour. I went and hiked three, three miles, came back and then was sick again. But at least I kept, you know, I kept the track going. I didn't want to stop. Um, but it, it was, it was remarkable. It's, it's amazing. First of all, how physically strong you get when you're doing something like that, how much the stress just melts away. And I went through an entire year where I really didn't feel or experience any stress. And it was just because I was giving myself a constant dose of decompression time and focusing on the things that helped me feel grounded and in, in, in the moment. So it was, it was pretty amazing. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Agency Journey. I'm Andrew. I'm a co-host here on the podcast, and I'm a founder of Zen Pilot. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love a five-star review and a comment on where you're listening from and what you're getting out of this podcast. You could drop that over on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you're listening to the podcast today. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you get the updates as they come out. And if you want to engage with other agency owners that are enjoying this podcast, join our community. Head over to agencyjourneyinsiders.com. That's going to take you to our special private Facebook group, a collection of owners from around the world who are on their own journey to build their own agency. So head over to agencyjourneyinsiders.com. Join the group today. And if you're at a point where you're ready for some help and you want to implement processes and systems to scale your agency, you can head over to zenpilot.com slash free training. And there you can watch a special 19-minute training presentation where we walk through the exact process that we use at Zenpilot to help agencies implement processes and systems so they can scale their business without reinventing the wheel for every client. And that allows agency owners to pull out of the weeds and spend more time working on their business. So hope you're enjoying the content here today. We'd love it if you join our community and we can't wait to hear where you are in your agency journey. Now back to the show. So um, then what I was going to ask was you mentioned this worksheet um, that you put together to try and um, kind of work through 
the, the things that come up, obviously the day-to-day stressors that come up. Can you tell us about uh, what that looks like or what prompted putting that together? Yeah, it was, you know, like typically um, with me as the evening goes on and it gets close to bedtime, that's when the anxiety will start to increase. Start to think about the next day, all the things you have to do, the things that may not have gone right. And, uh, and then it's really hard to shut down your brain and go to sleep. So I realized that when, you, when I am experiencing anxiety, it's all just thoughts. And, and I'm putting way too much emotion and feeling into those thoughts. So I basically just created a worksheet that's got a few different questions that I can walk through. Um, and, and I'll give them to you really quick. The first one is, what is the challenge? Um, so that helps you get out on paper, you know, what it is that's, that's really bothering you. And then the next question is what thought is driving the, the anxiety? And, uh, I like to really fill that out because you typically when I'm feeling anxious, it's like one thought leads to another thought, to another, to another, and all of them are more and more negative until the point where the world ends or something. Um, but, it, but it helps you get it out and look at it. And, and when I look at it, I realize how ridiculous it is. But then it goes to the next question, which is it reasonable that outcome is imminent? And, and most of the time, no, it's just something that we're fabricating in our minds. So then the next question is, what can be done to prevent the negative outcome? So that helps you get into problem solving mode and start to make a list of different actions or activities that you can complete. And then the final question is, what action can be taken in the next 24 hours? Because especially if it's at night when I'm feeling anxious before I go to bed, if I have a list of three or four or five items that I'm going to tackle first thing in the morning, then my brain can go take a rest and I can forget about it because I know I've got it captured and I don't have to worry about what I'm going to do next. Right. Hmm. That That's a really cool worksheet. It's kind of like, um, and I don't know if this is the goal, this might be a little bit different, but like uh, Tim Ferriss talks about, and I'm sure it didn't originate from him, but maybe it did, I don't know, negative visualization or just kind of picturing what's the worst case scenario and that's a way to become comfortable with um, you know, what are the possible negative outcomes that could happen here? And also then figure out what is the likelihood that that actually happens very, very small. Or if it is not small, what are the, you know, what's the action plan to get around it? Uh, right. Well, it, it feels to me like business owners or especially agency owners, we're kind of control freaks, right? And hundred percent. Yeah. And anxiety is caused because we feel like there's a lack of control. So I feel like that sheet gets me back to the point where, okay, like here are the things that I can actually control to prevent that, you know, the or, or mitigate the likelihood of that negative event occurring. So it does, it kind of pulls me back to the point where I realize I do have some control, maybe not over the circumstances or the environment, but I do over the actions I take. And it just, it's a, it's a practice to get back to that and get more centered. Right. Have you found, and I'm sure every, everyone's wired differently um has community been i mean we've talked a lot about things that you've kind of done um largely on your own obviously with um you talk to a therapist which is a great first step um and your wife was supportive so there's certainly some community have you uh, has any part of this been conversations with other business owners or other um people in similar situations or has it largely been kind of that small uh, tight community and then you kind of having these, these daily practices on your own. Oh no. Yeah. I've, uh, I was part of a mentoring program for, for the last three years. I just graduated last summer, uh, in 2017, but 
basically we get matched up with a, a, a retiring or an older CEO who's been extremely successful in an entrepreneurial business. And we meet with them every two weeks to be able to talk through our business, share our P&L, whatever, just to get some guidance. And uh, I really felt like uh, like he was my shoulder to cry. And I still remember a conversation where I was like, man, it's so stressful. The pressure is just about crushing me. I don't know how I'm going to do. When does this stuff end? And he looked across the table and said, I'll let you know if it ever does. <laughs> and uh, and I said, so this is what I signed up for? And he goes, yep. And I said, okay, I can handle that as long as I you know, can realize that it doesn't have to do with me. So I do have a really, really solid community. And I'm not one of those people that's going to say things are going great when they're not. I'm very right. open and transparent. And I would rather tell somebody, you know, the real way that it feels instead of just making up some stuff. Right. So two things that I think um, this principle, I talked about this a lot with people at Inbound here a couple of weeks ago. And I don't know if I would ever, it seems like this is something that I've kind of realized more in the last, uh, well, specifically this year, 2018, is that the reward for, I'm talking to a lot of younger agency owners at Inbound, and um, the feeling that I got, it sounded like myself when when we started the agency seven years ago, uh, like we just need to get through this first year, and then we'll have the traction, and like everything will start to pan out and even out and stuff. And I didn't really realize until this past year, maybe consciously put it together, that the reward for doing your job well and the business growing is that you get more complex, larger problems. That's always the reward for success. Um, The reward for failure might be that you get another opportunity to simplify and move back. And that's obviously not what we're shooting for. But the more that you succeed or the more that at least externally succeed, the reward is just... Uh, bigger implications because business is a huge momentum game just larger implications for the actions and decisions that you make and take Um, so there's never a point where this gets the the things that you're doing today after you've done them for a year those things get easier but the new things that you're doing are just as challenging as they are now so that it's not like this is something that um, you can put off and just deal with and then all of a sudden life will be easy and and pan out Um, it just gets it's increasing complexity, not um, reducing complexity. So I, I think that realization and that story that you talked about, the CEO, like that same thing that this doesn't go away, regardless of how externally successful you are, um, kind of highlights the need to figure out what are we going to do to deal with this now, not put it off for the future and assume that we'll be able to solve it. Um, so that stuck out to me right away from, from that story. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I completely agree. It's, it's kind of like if you want to use that excuse of I don't have time, uh, look in the mirror and say, how's that working out for me? Right. And, right. you know, you can't keep doing the same stuff and piling on and on and on. It's, it's not going to get any better until you figure out a way to deal with it. And, uh, and frankly, everybody else will thank you for taking the time to figure that out. Right. The other thing that stuck out to me, though, was the idea of contrast that um, you don't know what light is without dark we don't know what hot is without you know obviously all the cliches for contrast but when you are more honest with people about how you're doing it means that when you say i'm doing well um yeah, at least in my experience people are more excited or like, it's easier to relate it's easier to build trust when people know like you're just shooting straight and some people will you know they're i'm sure that they're the people who are like well, why are you 
Debbie Downer here, and you can't just say like I'm having a good time. It kind of brings my mood down. But um, but I I love that the people who are just honest about that doesn't mean that every single person that you talk to you're laying out your you know you need to pick and choose the the right situations. But just be honest about how things are going right now. And that to me, especially in the marketing space, and I don't I don't know because this is largely the world that I've lived in. Um, I haven't bounced around to different industries. I don't know if it's just a function of we're in marketing and the perception of marketing is that we dress things up to the nth degree and make them look as good as they can possibly be. Mm-hmm. I'm sure part of it is just human nature, but that same thing carrying over into like every agency out there, statistics say can't all be going the best that they've ever gone. Um, right. So it, we know we know that it's not all true, and yet that same lie perpetuates itself. I know. I feel like some of that stuff is generational. And again, I'm not trying to insult anybody, but hmm. um, like, like you weren't. But I feel like the uh, the people that have been around in, in in doing this for a much longer time tend to be more concerned with appearances. And and you know, you can't tell people that you're not doing well because then they won't want to hire you because then they'll think your company's going to go out of business or whatever. Like there's this right. fear of actually being able to be real. And I, I feel as though, you know, the millennial generation and even some of the generation X, I'm an Xer, but I feel like some of us are more, are more able to be open and transparent with how things are really going because frankly, people like to help people out who need it, you know? Right. And, and uh, I think if you're able to be vulnerable and talk about the way that it really is, people aren't going to push you away. Chances are they're going to see how they can help. And so there are some other benefits that come from that, I think. Right. Well, that's, I think that's a really good point. Um, and this has been helpful just to have the conversation. So I want to kind of ask this question for you as we, as we wrap up, Pete, which is you're talking to someone in my situation or someone who's um, even an earlier stage in the business, you know, in their first couple of years of the business, really at any point, but, um, and they're feeling that it's not, you know, they're not to the point where they are, um, they probably don't think of themselves as being depressed. Um, maybe not, you know, if they went and saw someone, they wouldn't necessarily say they were, they wouldn't say they're, they're depressed, but they feel the weight of the business and they feel like this is a climb that just never ends. Um, and don't know where to go or who to talk to about that. They might have a spouse or someone who they kind of have hints of those conversations with, but feel like, and especially that family dynamic can be tricky too, where you feel like you need to put on a certain face to, especially as an entrepreneur to reassure your spouse that, that things are okay. Um, what, um, I guess what would be if we put together like that same, a same kind of worksheet for here's the action plan in terms of how would we sequence this? And here's how I would approach this. Any thoughts on where you would tell them to start and then go from there? Yeah, I think the first place I would tell them to start is is realize that whether it's depression or whether it's anxiety, um, it's just a thought. And it's a thought that's popping up in your head and you're attaching meaning to it and you're attach, attaching emotion to it. So I think the first thing is to notice that and recognize that that's what's happening and then just dissect it. I mean, if your brain is going to be the thing that creates the thought, it's also going to be the thing where you can poke holes in the theory of that thought and realize that it's not really that true. So we give the power to the thoughts that are negative just as much as we do the thoughts that are positive. 
So we have, as control freaks, right, we have control. We just have to figure out how to navigate it and get to the point where we have clarity and understanding. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Does that, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about this before, that like just recognizing that it's just a thought, it's just something happening in your head. Does that come from TM or where does that, where does that come from? Uh, I, I've had have another mentor that I've been working with probably for the last six or seven years who I believe has a really good command of, of you know, life and presence and all that stuff. And he's, he's actually worked with me to recognize those thoughts and recognize those events as they're occurring and, and not try to stop them, but like feel them and realize what it really is and what's at the crux of that, that issue or that feeling. And uh, I think the more aware we are, um, the better we can navigate, you know, it's just like you just have to know you got to have some tools and know how know really what's happening because anxiety or depression or whatever, like you're either living in the future with anxiety or you're living in the past with depression. But if, if you, you know, take a moment to just be in the moment and realize there's not a lion that's going to eat me. Um, I actually feel pretty good with my body. You know, I've hydrated well, I'm watching my nutrition, I'm getting my sleep, I'm moving and exercising. If you're taking care of those things, I think it's a lot easier. You know, you're in control of the main elements that are going to determine your quality of life. But I feel like then you can take control of those thoughts too and just start to start to realize when they're when you're going down a negative path and, and pull yourself back a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. That's really good. That's, um, for me, I don't spend as much time as I would like to I'm on my own outside. I enjoy fishing a lot and do very little of it. Um, but I coach high school baseball and that time for me, the, you know, preparing practice plans and communication with parents and players, that part is not relaxing. The part to me that is the most relaxing is the actual you know two hours of practice time where we're out on the field and it's just follow the script you're using your body um you're interacting there's energy a lot of positive energy going on for the most part as long as we're having a, a good practice um and and that to me has been um one of the things that helps to to um, kind of keep me collected and put together is that opportunity to get out so figuring out Whatever that physical outlet is, I think is absolutely huge. Yeah, no, that's great. Good. Well, um, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing about this, um, Pete. I think just having the conversation is helpful in the, in the specific kind of plan of attack that you shared in your story. Um, it's helpful. If people want to check out, obviously, the agency, wearemindscape.com. We'll have that in the show notes. Is there anywhere else you'd want to point people, Pete? Uh, sure. I have a, a podcast um, that's hosted on Podbean, which is Hike Your Own Hike. Uh, and, and those are, you know, five to 10 minute episodes when I'm out hiking and have a thought and I just share it. Uh, I capture a lot of that stuff for my kids because I'm an old dad and I have five kids. And uh, I know I'm not going to be on the planet forever. And I'd like to be able to create digital content so they have they can at least learn some of the things that I'm picked up over time and uh, apply that to their lives, even when I'm not here any longer. A little morbid, but I think about that stuff. <laughs> that's uh, that's awesome. Um, cool. So, uh, hike your own hike, right? Yep. yep. And it's on Podbean. Is the okay? I, I haven't really like pushed it out there a bunch, but yep. 
Um, we got about 30 episodes on there. Okay, that's awesome. Well, we'll make sure we throw that in the show notes as well. Pete, thanks so much for taking the time and jumping back on. It was great to have you. Thanks again, man. I appreciate it. Have a great day.